This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, Pet Life Radio loyal listeners, and welcome to Cat Boss and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, the original cat boss, Trish Seifred, and I'm joined today again by my friend, Allie Feckety and Courtney Bull. Thank you both for co-hosting today. Thanks for having me. Hello, Excited everyone. to be back. Awesome, ladies. Well, folks, have you ever been watching TV and seen an animal dart across the screen, bark on cue, or play a main role in a movie and wonder, how did that animal get to do those actions in that movie? Well, it's because... Behind every great on-screen animal talent actor is their trainer. And today, we're going to share with you a little bit more about how we got started as trainers. So sit and stay. We'll be right back after this message. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Cat Boss and Friends on Pet Life Radio, the only place that you can tune in and make your cat's life better together. I'm your host, Trish, the original Cat Boss. And today, we're going to share a little bit more about our backgrounds as trainers and how we became cat trainers. So have you ever been to PetSmart, Walmart, pet boutique shops, the vet clinic? If you have, then most of you would recognize some of our talented animal actors pictured on those pet food bags. And maybe you have even spotted them in a few commercials watching the Super Bowl or your favorite TV show. Like I said, behind every great animal actor is their trainer that puts hours and hours into work teaching them and preparing them for that big moment. There are definitely lots of type of animal training careers like animal behaviorists, competitive sports trainers, service dog training, law enforcement trainers, and much more. But ours is specific to trick training and set work. Do we know that our choices would lead us to that profession? No, but we are lucky to do what we love with our animals on a daily basis. So how do three different people with three different backgrounds wind up in a similar career? And I spotted something in common that all started in theater. So we're going to start with Courtney. And Courtney, can you tell our listeners about Snowball and Jasper, your cats that helped you get started training as a kid? Did you have natural abilities to start training? Did you have a mentor? Did you learn from reading materials? Or how do you work your magic with your cats? 
Oh, that's a loaded question um, and actually a bit of everything that you mentioned, um, but I'll start with Snowball and Jasper. So when I was a kid, I was like 10 years old. I wasn't allowed dogs. So I had family cats and I've always, always been interested in training animals like since as long as I can remember. Um, so I used to train my cats, my family cats, Snowball and Jasper to do tricks. And then I would show off my tricks to like my family, um, like aunties and uncles when they come over for family parties. And now I look back, they weren't very complicated tricks, but you know, for a 10 year old to teach their cat to sit and shake a paw and spin, that's a big feat. So that's kind of how I got started in training. I think I've always just been interested in how animals minds worked and how to access their intelligence through training and building that relationship with them. So that's kind of how it got started. And then for your other question about how I learn. So from there, just practicing my skills, I actually went from cats and then I started, I had some rabbits. Um, when I first moved out of my house, I lived in an apartment and I couldn't have any pets, but I ended up having a couple of rabbits. And so I started like dragging the rabbits around everywhere that like they were like a dog. They had a harness and a leash and they went to the lake with me and they went everywhere. And then I got cats, but I learned through many, many different ways over the years. Um, I uh, was mentored by so many great trainers. I can't even say all of them. They're just so many. And um, through them, I started even just local trainers. I got mentored and I started um, doing theater, live theater shows with my, my dogs. Um, up here in Canada, we have a group that I performed with for about the last 20 years, uh, Super Dogs. And I learned a lot from other trainers in these shows. And, um, and then I've had mentors in the film industry as well. My first mentor, uh, Jordan, she doesn't do film anymore, but she was probably one of the best cat trainers I had met before. And we used to have, before I started getting into film, we used to have like cat training days where every Monday we'd like get together. And we'd just train cats for fun. Um, oh, really? Just, That's fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Like we, I had a couple kittens at the time and yeah, we just taught them different tricks and had a blast doing that. So that's where I kind of got started with cat training. And then I do a lot of uh, seminars and uh, workshops and any, any chance I get, I like to go to the Clicker Expo and, and stuff like that to learn more about my craft. And I just feel like, you know, yeah, there's so much to learn. Like you can always keep learning no matter well, what level of a a trainer you've achieved, you can still learn more and there, it never hurts to learn more from other people and from other, you know, different avenues. But the main thing that taught me were, were the animals that I worked with. Like they taught me so much, just learning their body language and how they react to different things. And as I'm training, I learn how they are either enjoying the experience or not, and, and then changing how I do it so that it becomes a very pleasant experience for them. So that's kind of how I've gotten into it and how I've learned. So a lot of it, I guess, was just doing it, going out and getting an animal and just start training. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's so funny that all three of us got our start in training animals for theater. So that's really fun. Live shows are definitely a challenge more than any other <laughs> kind of different um, avenues of training. Oh, you learn really quickly when you're doing live theater shows with animals. <laughs> you have to be <laughs> humble. You have to have a good sense of humor. And you know what? The audience never knows what happens. So it's it's fine. It's all fine <laughs> because 
they think everything is funny, even though if you you don't think it's funny. <laughs> they have, but I mean, I have so many stories that we're going to share on this podcast about things that happen behind the scenes for shows with cats and you just stuff you'll never believe. But, you know, you also volunteered at shelters and like myself and then Allie did. But did you know that volunteering at shelters and then working with animals would lead to your professional career in animal training? Well, I think volunteering with shelters is actually what led me to training. And also when I worked at the vet clinic, and the reason was, is I saw way too many healthy animals that are young being turned into shelters or into the vet clinic for euthanasia. And it was just so heartbreaking and, you know, having a lot of compassion fatigue about that. Um, and uh, so what I did was I decided, what if I stopped them from being turned into the shelter? What if I got to the root of the problem? Like why, why you need to rehome your pet? And maybe if I could stop them from needing to rehome them, then there would be less animals in shelter. So that's kind of actually where I got started with training. My goal was to help owners build a bond and a relationship with their animal to understand their animal more so that maybe they didn't, they weren't so quick to want to bring them to a shelter or bring them to the vet clinic to be put down when a lot of the, the behavior stuff um, could easily be fixed. So, and, and sometimes it, it just starts with just building that relationship, but you get your do first dog or your puppy and just take it to classes, just start training it. And once you have that relationship, you know, you're less likely to want to just bring it to the shelter when something's not working out. And I do understand that there's still reasons why people need to rehome pets and some things can be unavoidable, but there's so many things that can be avoided with just training. And so that's kind of how I got started was that was my driving factor to hopefully fix the problem before they surrendered it to the shelter. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's so true. Like people acquire animals because they want a companion animal, but they really don't know a lot about cat care or dog care and about how to identify body language or like how to assess an animal to make sure that it's a right fit for their home. If, if the animal has too much energy, which is why most often dogs or animals wind up in shelters to begin with, people have no clue what they're adopting. And there are professionals like, you know, in, in shelters that can sort of be the matchmaker, but that, that always doesn't work out either. So, I mean, that's definitely awesome that you are a resource for people to help identify those challenges and help animals stay in their homes. So we definitely have all of us have that in common. So Courtney, quickly tell us, like, what are some of the set behaviors that you teach your cats to be able to work in commercial in the commercial industry? So the biggest thing would be just even just have the cat more focused on the handler. So the one of the first things I do is I actually teach them like a place. So uh, go to a place, go to a mat, go to a touch your feet on a mark. So I start with that. That's a, the very first thing I, I start with. And then I work on eye lines a lot. Um, so in film, you can't always be right beside the camera, or even if you are right beside the camera, you still have the animal looking a little to the left or to the right. So we need to have them look in specific directions and hold that look for a good duration. So we teach eye lines. So that's kind of the first things I teach is just um, go to a place, go to a mark, and then look here, look there. And they use like a, like a treat stick. So they're mostly just looking at the treat, but I work on holding duration 
for staring at it because like a lot of animals will look at the tree but then look back at you like why am I looking at this tree but you gotta make them stay looking at that tree or that ball or whatever you have them looking at so that they can hold that eye line so those are the first things I teach and then I work on for sure and then food motivation is huge for that right yeah I mean you have to have the motivation, like I said in the episode one, um, finding the right motivator for the animal is also really key because every animal, they're individuals and they have different motivators. For sure. I mean, most cat owners put a bowl of food down and so they miss, they're missing that connection with their animal to be able to really, really work on training. So yeah, for sure. Food is the number one motivator for cats, I think. <laughs> I, th- I think that it's the biggest motivator for sure for most animals, but especially for cats. Thank you so much for sharing that, Courtney. You rock. So folks, if you are in Canada and you happen to be listening to the show and you need animals for on-set work, you can contact Courtney at Animal Actors of Manitoba. Right, Courtney? Yeah. We have a Facebook page or we also have a website. It's manitobaanimalactors.com. And yeah, they can reach out. And if they have an animal that they have a project or they have a project that they need an animal for, they can definitely reach out. Awesome. So speaking of shelters and volunteering, Allie, I think you and I and Courtney have a lot of common in that avenue. What do you think is a natural avenue for most folks? And like, how do they get into working with animals? What do you find to be the most common way people get into working with animals? Yeah, I think like most kids, like I grew up watching movies with dogs and stuff like that. And I just always thought that was super cool. But another really common way is I think most of us, our first dogs are from shelters or cats or whatever animal. I mean, that's kind of the easiest way for someone to get into. And a lot of times, another really great way I find, I know a lot of people I've met have started by fostering and volunteering with a shelter, just like you guys. I didn't actually start volunteering with the shelter when I started training, but I definitely started with training my shelter dog. Doctor, I got it eight weeks old from a shelter, the tiniest, little, cutest, scruffy troublemaker. Uh, (laughs) But I actually, my favorite way to volunteer is through fostering. There's so many different ways. You can walk dogs, you can help socialize kittens and puppies, helping bathing, fostering, whatever. There's so many different ways and they need it so much. So like definitely look into it, into a local shelter near you if you're wanting to get into dogs or any type of training. Go to your local shelter and start working with some animals, cats, all the animals, work with all the animals. (laughs) I actually fostered my first dog at 16 while I was doing the play with doctor because, you know, I needed more things to do. As these two will know, doing a play is a lot of work. So why not add a <laughs> a dog, a foster dog into your life that um, has some major resource guarding issues? It's, you know, it's fine. But that was a really great learning experience for me, just being able to work with a dog that was different than my own pets at home. And then being able to help find him a home was fantastic. Another really great way that young people can get into training is 4-H. I feel like most people know, at least I don't, Courtney, I I don't know if you have this in Canada, but in the US, we have something called 4-H, which is America's largest youth development organization. And they offer classes and clubs for kids ages eight to 18. And pretty much everything, most people, when they hear 4-H, they think of like farm kids with their cattles and sheep and stuff like that. 
Um, but they actually have clubs on like literally everything from dog training. I think I've had some friends do like cat related clubs, drawing horses, cooking, you name it. There's probably a club <laughs> for it. That's how she learned how to be such a great sewing artist. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, Allie? She's, she's really epic at that. So anyway, um, just saying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So they have lots of different things. I did. My main club was was dog training. I actually was training dogs before that. And my friend was hosting a local club. And eventually I ended up doing that. I was doing robotics at the time. And I was like, do I do robotics or do I do a club with my dogs? And I was like, mom, I'm quitting robotics. (laughs) I'm going to go train my dogs instead. (laughs) Definitely made more sense. So I did that. And I actually ended up being a youth leader. So I helped teach the classes and stuff like that to the other 4-Hers. And that was a really great way. It wasn't really like behavioral classes or anything like that. It was more geared towards competitive training. So I was able to get into like obedience, rally, uh, agility were the main sports that our club offered. And it was really great because once I was more confident in that, I was able to step into the first time I stepped into an AKC like formal competition obedience ring, I felt a lot more confident because I had already competed in county and state affairs, which are, I mean, against other kids, but it's still, I knew the steps of the competition. I knew the process a little bit more. So it was great having that confidence and that knowledge of going in and then obviously having friends and stuff that are interested in dogs is really fantastic. Yeah. I never got into 4-H. I wish I had. It is definitely a great learning tool. But speaking of other learning tools, did you watch any videos? And like, if so, is it YouTube videos? Or how do you find someone that you align with that best fits your style? If you're going to watch YouTube videos, there's so many out there. So like, how do you know if their training philosophy meets yours? Yeah, I think that's um that's a great question especially in the age of the internet. Like I started out with when I first got doctor I I checked out a bunch of books and I scoured the internet for information. I literally just absorbing everything as much as possible. And I think it's really important like especially when you're new to just get as much information, learn from absolutely everyone from every side and style of training and find what works best for you. Take what you like and leave the rest is one of my favorite mottos. And just, you know, be humble. I think a lot of times when we when we're young and we jump into training, um, I know a lot of people kind of jump in and think they know know everything after just a little bit of information. But it's honestly dog training, animal training, cat training, whatever, the animal side as well as the human side, I feel like the more you learn, the less you know. And I think it's just about getting your hands on animals and training them and figure out what works best for you. Yeah, I think, you know what, that's so true. I think, you know, a common mistake that people make is that they compare cats to dogs when they're training. And cats are certainly capable of doing so much. Um, They're capable of all the same things that dogs can do. And so we are definitely out to bust that myth for cats and, you know, teach people that cats can do everything. Well, folks, it's time to take a little break. When we return, we're going to ask the cat boss how she got started. So sit and stay and we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. 
It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, it is my great honor to introduce to you my friend and phenomenal trainer, the original cat boss, Trish. Wow, thank you so much for that introduction. So, Cat Boss Trish, where did it all start for you? It uh, sounds a lot like we have a lot of things in common and we kind of started in the same place. So, tell the audience about your journey. Yeah, um, for sure. Thank you. Funny thing is, mine got started with me sleeping on a couch and my mom nagging me about getting up and getting a job like most teenagers. So when I told her, I was like, I only want to work with animals. Like, I, I don't know where to get started with that. It's like, and my mom came up to me literally one day. She pushed me out the couch after school and she said, get up. She was like, you're going to Six Flags today to audition for the new animal show. And I was totally shocked. I was like, what? Anyway, so I had no formal training as a high school student in performing on stage. I was like, oh, I took one theater class. So I protested a little bit, but then I found myself literally two hours later at an interview holding a script in my hand at the Hollywood Animal Action Show Theater at Six Flags. So yeah, so when I started, I was just 18. It was under the guidance of some head trainers. And so I learned how to handle animals and train animals on stage and perform with them. And we would have, uh, you know, animals that ran point A to point B. We had a high wire cat. We had cats jumping through hoops and dogs doing comedy scenes and interacting with the audience. And we even had a math parrot. Like we would get math problems from the audience. But anyway, so yeah, so I definitely had the time of my life, but little did I know shortly after that, I would land my dream job at SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida. So, which was like every kid's dream, right? I was like, but you know what? Then I was like a little too young to know what uh, hard work meant. <laughs> Definitely going to find that out though. We had um, over 300 animals at a show called Pets on Stage that I don't know, folks, if you've ever seen the pet shows at SeaWorld, it was also that show became Pets Ahoy. And then in San Diego, we had a show called Pets Rule. And then we had other shows in Ohio and Texas too. But I got to learn and study animal training under the renowned animal trainer, Joel Slavin. And Joel actually worked on the movie Ace Ventura. Courtney, have you guys seen that? Have you seen Ace Ventura? I have. And I'm super jealous of your experiences because I'm from the prairies and we don't have whales and dolphins and SeaWorld and all that thing. So I've always wanted to be a dolphin trainer. Oh, really? Yeah. So Joel worked on the Ace Ventura movie with all those animals in that scene. I think there's like 150 animals in the one scene. <laughs> it was like, awesome. But he made us do funny things like that in our shows. But in a second, I'll I'll take a, a second to describe those shows for people that have never seen it. 
But yeah, so at SeaWorld, it's it's a little bit different than you would imagine a SeaWorld show to be. We had dogs, cats, pigs, parrots, pigeons, rats, skunks, and other exotics. And so it was definitely a menagerie in that movie. Ace Ventura says it all. So yeah, so there was definitely, well, I was telling you earlier, Courtney, that pigeons and rats were my favorite. I love teaching pigeons to fly from point A to point B and cause and teaching rats to run A to B behaviors and then open doors. And the show was unbelievable. We had so many different fun scenes for the audience. So a dream job for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a dream job for sure. (laughs) Especially being so young and getting that job, like I'm super jealous here. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was surreal. I was like, wait, what? It was like I woke up and one day I was like, wait, where am I? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Can't imagine being able to get to know and have fun and learn how to train all those animals. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it 100% was. But you know what the best part was? That our animals came from shelters. So the trainers, we would all visit shelters all over in America and we were looking for animals that were talented that might have been given away because they were misunderstood or had too much energy to live happily on a, a couch being bored. But we had literally, we had adopted hundreds of dogs and cats and pigs and rats and birds, and we gave them all a second chance at life. And so we would evaluate each animal and find out what their talents were. And then we developed a skill around that to let them shine in the show. So it was 100% like one of America's favorite shows. But yeah, so after 10 years at SeaWorld, I decided to move home. That's crazy. You moved back home to St. Louis from San Diego and had to leave all those animals behind after spending all that time with them. Yeah. I mean, you know what? That was definitely the hardest part, but I knew they were in good hands with trainers. You know, everybody, all the trainers loved them and and we did so much in Richmond and they really loved doing what they did in the shows. They, I mean, they got to interact with the trainers, you know, six times a day. We were with them for probably longer than most people are with their pets in the day, but you know, we were usually on the job for about 14 to 15 hours, uh, I would say. So I definitely knew that, that they were being loved and cared for. So there's nothing like a place like SeaWorld and what they do for their animals is just second to none. So, but yeah, so whenever I moved home, I, I didn't want to stray too far from that field because it was what I grew up knowing. It was my, my craft. And so I got a job at working at Purina. And then so I was like, well, the only thing I know is theater. So I created a, a theater show at Purina with my dogs and cats and farm animals. I had a pig in the show and a parrot. So yeah, so it wasn't long before that, that someone had noticed me from downtown at Purina and they had invited me to do commercial work for Catch How. So that is how I got into film work and the rest is history. That is so amazing. So what we all want to know though, is about your cat team and how you got started with commercial work. Okay, cool. So it all started with a cat named Frisky. He was my very, very first jump rope cat. And then came Kit Kat and Chow Chow, Target and Rosemary. That was my original crew. Wait, did you say jump rope? Yeah, I, I thought oh, if a dog can do it, why can't a cat? 
<laughs> um, training is definitely limitless when you set your mind to something. So you know what? I I was just like, well, cats can do whatever dogs can do. So I taught them to run through agility courses. I had a cat that climbed a 12-foot pole and jumped out of my shoulder. And then I started teaching commercial behaviors like how to go to a place or mark or come and called. And then and now we have our famous high five cats that travel the country and give everyone high fives. How cute is that? It is so cute. And Honestly, if people haven't seen your videos about your cat rope jumping, it's amazing. It's something everybody should see because it's really neat. How did the cat team lead you to start your own business? Yeah. So, okay. So I was mentioning that first commercial that I had gotten for Cat Chow. You know what? And then I really realized that there was a huge uh, need for a business in St. Louis that because St. Louis is like the largest pet brand city around. So it just really kind of made sense. So I started my own animal talent agency called Got Potential Animal Talent. And we hire and train animals for commercials, print and movies. And to this day, we work with some of the biggest brands in the animal industry, even companies like Amazon and Google that aren't pet related. But you never know what people, they say that they say that if an animal is in a commercial, then a, a lot of people pay attention. <laughs> So Trish, with all of that, how did that lead to creating Cat Boss? Yeah, so that's just it. Like I was mentioning, I think I mentioned in episode one, is like Cat Boss was created because the film industry, like people would come to say, we don't trust cats on set and cats, we can't, you know, the trainers never get them to do what we need them to or cats just do whatever they want to do. I think Courtney said she heard a lot of the similar things, but you know what? Our goal at Cat Boss is to spread the message that cats can and should be trained and to stop the message that they can't. So that is definitely our goal. You know what? And I think right now the title of cat trainer is pretty rare. I think the Animal Behavior College went looking for cat trainers to hire and they only found to be like there was like a hundred in the US. But I do feel like if you train a dog or another species, cats aren't really that much different, but it requires a little bit of a gentle approach and then a lot more patience. But that's it. But yeah. Thank you so much, Trish, for sharing your journey. That's really cool to hear. And I'm sure our audience enjoys to hear it too. So I just want to add something to that. And one thing I wanted to point out is what Trish does is really unique. And she takes family pets and makes them into stars rather than having a bunch of animals that work. But she takes people's pets and, and helps teach these people how to train their pets and then brings them to set. And these animals now become little famous stars in their own way. So I just wanted to mention that. And it's kind of a perfect segue into our next episode of false truths. Are cats really untrainable or is it a myth? Because, I mean, we're taking pets, uh, people's pets and training them. Hey, Corey, you know what? That's such an important point. And thank you for bringing that up because, you know what, we find that there's so many animals that are talented out there. And even some pet parents don't know that their animals are so talented, but then we bring them on set and then they turn into those little stars, like you said. So really, you know what, that's what it's all about for us is being able to see that pet parent light up when their animal is on the big screen. I mean, there's nothing better. So definitely thank you for bringing that up. Uh, well, folks, we are out of time. And thank you so much for joining us. And we'd like to thank our producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. And as always, you can get in touch with us at catbosstv.com. Follow us on Instagram. Or you can email us at catboss at petliferadio.com. So chat with you on the next episode of Catboss and Friends. High five, catbosses. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.